Welcome to our podcast. My name is Keely Severson, and I'm here with my podcast co-hosts, Eric Johnson and Alicia Swamy, and together we are Exposing Mold. Today we are interviewing a military mama, Valerie Clover. This podcast is brought to you by Michael Rubino, the Mold Medic, and All-American Restoration, the first and only mold remediation company in the country specializing in remediating mold for people with underlying health conditions or mold sensitivities. They've quickly become the most recommended remediation company from doctors and mold inspectors nationwide. Check out our show notes to pick up your copy of Michael Rubino's book, The Mold Medic, an expert guide on mold remediation, or visit allamericanrestoration.com to get your home assessed and get your health back on track today. Valerie, I know you have been through it with mold and military housing, and your family has really just been through all types of house of horror stuff. So I want to hear your story as much or as little as you're really comfortable elaborating on. I know you guys are have some lawsuit stuff kind of pending, so you might not be able to get into tons of details about everything, but let's just start with what, what, what years were you living in military housing and what was that experience like and how long before you guys noticed that you were all sick? Oh, that's a really good question. Well, first of all, good morning and thank you so much for having me and just thank you to your team for this platform to be able to to get these stories out to people that really don't know they exist or are, are going through this and feeling very alone that there aren't other people navigating the same thing. So I appreciate you guys' time. Uh, to answer your question, we have lived in military housing my husband's entire career. So we initially moved into housing back in 2007. We kind of moved all over the United States. Things were going fine. We didn't notice anything too crazy. It wasn't until 2014 when we had moved into a home where we had started exhibiting mysterious illnesses, varying from things that just didn't make sense or didn't have any cause. And so that was initially in 2014 when we started the noticing the health starting to decline in that particular military home. How long had you lived in that specific home before symptoms popped up? We had lived in that home probably about four to five months, a very short amount of time. Our son was eight years old and he started exhibiting signs of what appeared to be an upper respiratory infection. We did all of the modalities that we were advised to do. His pediatrician even prescribed him an antibiotic, thinking he had some kind of upper respiratory thing going on. And he had fallen ill that fall of fall and winter of 2014, showing neurological decline. And that's when we first initially got into his pediatrician and shared some things that had been very concerning that he had all of this eczema showing up out of nowhere. His nose was bleeding and he was showing very drastic neurological issues that ended up being um, so pediatric acute onset neuropsychiatric syndrome. So he was exhibiting signs of OCD, Tourette's, things that looked on the surface like something was going on, but we had nothing 
to point at. We had no cause for it. But the correlation was he was sick one week and within the next week, almost overnight, he had an entire list of neurological issues. And so we had started that with his pediatrician. And at that time, his pediatrician said, I'm no longer comfortable treating Jacob for these issues that you're coming into my office for. So at this time, I'd like to send you to a pediatric neurologist. I know that that was a really intense experience when you sought help from the neurologist. If Are you comfortable talking about what happened there? Yeah, that's a good question. I'd be happy to share about that. We had initially gone into, there was a little bit of weight from initial referral because we were under the care of Navy medicine. And so you, we followed the steps, you get your referral, and then we wait for the appointment. In that time, I was allowed to be able to do my own research. Uh, I, I'm not a very patient person. And so I initially started just kind of researching, just like moms do. I just, I had a child that changed overnight and with no reason. And so I started doing research. From that time I was allowed before seeing the neurologist, I came across so many different other support groups, if you will, of other parents that had children that were also exhibiting strange, mysterious illnesses. There seemed to be a lot of culprits, a lot of, a lot of different, uh, a lot of different reasons or things that had been going on in that family's lives. And I kept seeing mold. Oh, well, we had, we found mold or we had mold. And I'm like, mold that I can't see any mold in our house. That must not be it. So I just started reading about it some more and it, it seemed to check a lot of boxes uh, that that looked very similar to to mold poisoning. Uh, and so that's when I first started really, really kind of looking into that a little bit more. And I can't really explain why I felt so strongly to investigate that further, because it makes sense to just say, well, obviously it's not mold because we can't see any mold. Let's move on right? You almost want to completely eliminate that as a possibility for, for lack of evidence, right? For lack of not being able to see mold growing on my wall or something. And so I just kept looking into it. I would look into other things and other reasons. By that time, I had a little bit of research under my belt of, of kind of what we were dealing with. So I walked into the neurologist's office feeling a little confident feeling I was going to be met with a neurologist that, lack of a better word, was impressed that I had taken it the initiative to, to kind of look into this myself first instead of walking in blindly. Unfortunately, I was not met with that, that approach. I was, I was met with a very... I, I don't want to negatively speak of, of anybody along this journey that my family has been through. I am not here to slander or or put down anyone. And so when I when I speak on the specific people that were part of this journey, it was just part of the experience. People did so awful just, things in the way they treated you. It's okay to say it. I know that you're so polite that you don't want to say anything rude against somebody, but when people do awful things and we tell the truth, we're not slandering them. We're just being honest. 
Yeah. It, uh, yeah. He sat across from me and he evaluated Jacob in a setting where it uh, was doing an observation of Jacob's behaviors. And when I say behaviors, I mean, I had a little boy that was the all-star left-handed pitcher for Little League two weeks prior. My husband was a Little League coach. I was on the board for Little League. We have this normal family dynamic. And my son had changed drastically overnight to the OCD and the ticks and the counting and the nosebleeds and the, and the very drastic. So I thought because I it wasn't a very subtle thing that we were seeing this neurologist for, I was expecting him to go, oh my gosh, this is this you there's something going on here. Let's look into this. Until he's looked at me and said, well, these things just happen in children sometimes. And if I were you, I would maybe stay away from Googling things. And I said, well, I'm not just sitting around Googling things. I'm, I'm doing research from people that actually have experience with this. And he said, is it a diagnosis that you want? Is it something you want written on paper in his file? As if that is something that I had hoped what mother is like, oh, I hope this gets my kid a diagnosis. Like that was my goal. My son and my, and my husband had left the room and I was standing side by side with this neurologist and he looks at me and he kind of like gives me this. And he said, Mrs. Clover, have you heard of Munchausen's by proxy? And I said, yeah, I'm not an idiot. I know what that is. And he goes, okay, anyway, well, go ahead and take these medications for him and go ahead and fill this at the pharmacy. And this will help with his OCD tics. To feel like the oxygen left the room, like walking in, feeling prepared and leaving, feeling as if I was insane and that I had Munchausen's by proxy, which is a very real and serious mental illness. Did you literally start to doubt your own your own understanding up to this point by what he said to you or at that moment where you're like, wow, I thought you're going to help me. I guess not. What was your feeling in that moment? Mm, that's a, that's a tough question. I would say in the initial moment while we were still in the office, I want to say I was mad. I was kind of insulted. I think maybe at first insulted, maybe my pride was Maybe I, maybe my pride was hurt a little bit, or I did doubt for sure, of course, because he's a pediatric neurologist with a lot of training, a lot of education. He knows his stuff. This is why he's a doctor, right? So we left and it was after that appointment that my husband uh, thought that I wasn't doing well mentally. And so it was almost like my husband kind of said after leaving that appointment, see, he's okay, right? This just happens sometimes. And it's not to say anything negative about my husband, who I will throw in now is an amazing support system for all of us. Like he is completely on board with all of this now. But eight years ago, naively, he just kind of went with the doctors a little bit because you know, it's a doctor and you think that's where the professional <laughs> opinion comes from. 
right. you want to be able to put your trust in them solely. And, and my husband now is very aware that doctors are human and they make mistakes and sometimes they're dismissive and sometimes they are, well, I'll just stay with dismissive. So my husband now is a wonderful support and he's, he's completely on the other side of the scale on this topic now. And so it was then where I did feel to, to answer your initial question definitely was, I was, I knew then I think leaving there that I have a lot of work to do. I think I walked out of there going, okay, well, I got a lot of work to do and we're going to start doing this because something in me just was like, this does not just happen and children do not change overnight for no reason. And so that is when I knew that I had a journey starting. So you were suspecting mold and instead of being like validated or having the doctor ask any questions of curiosity, since this was literally an overnight onset of symptoms, you were essentially accused of committing child abuse against your child and pretending he was sick. Correct. So I'm sure you left that appointment probably really determined to find mold or to find additional answers. Yes. So so what, what did that process look like when you're home trying to find the mold and then reporting different issues to maintenance? What was that like? Were you heard? Were you respected? Were you understood? Did they help you find it? And then how did you ultimately find the mold to, to connect these two sides? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I got home and immediately had contacted the, the maintenance crew. And so they had a, we have 1-800 number and then we had a direct line. And so what you would do is you would put in a ticket, right? As if you would have a property management company, it was just like that. So we would put in a ticket and we would, they would then send out a a maintenance person for lack of a better, I don't know exactly what their title was. I do know now their training is not what we were led to believe it was. Uh, They were, and no offense to them as personal, as persons or humans, but they were just glorified handymen, right? They were not electricians. They were not mold experts. They were not uh, roof experts. They, they, they just, yeah, they can do some light bulbs. They can probably repair the linoleum flooring, put some drywall patch on. That was really the extent of their training. So well, when they, I would... They had some specific training because I remember you told me they never used the word mold. They only use the word mildew. So they at least had that training going for them. (laughs) They were not allowed to say the word mold. Uh, I I later learned on that they were handed a, um, a, a, a paper, if you will, on what they are allowed to say, what they are not allowed to say. And on the things they were not allowed to say is the word mold. And so they were trained, literally brainwashed in these meetings to say mold, to say mildew, excuse me. I'm confusing myself over here. They had to say mildew. They could not say the word mold. And they had to be very dismissive and very persuasive that, that, that there is no mold. That's not a real thing. And if there is a little bit of mold, it's just normal household mildew. It's household mold. So that's okay. Oh, or the other great one was, well, we live by the ocean. So you're going to have that. I will also note in that housing, they made a conscious decision to not allow the residents to have air conditioning. Okay. So we lived in Southern California where ocean or no ocean, 
we had 95, 98, 100 degree days with ocean air and no air conditioning. We, you walk around your house, the carpet is damp, the walls are dewy, it's, it's damp, everything is damp, and we're not allowed to dry it out with an air conditioner. And, but if you walk into any of the military housing offices, it was like a frigid 62 degrees because they would crank their air conditioning nonstop within the housing offices. But the residents were not allowed to have air conditioning. So we always had this damp environment. And so that would be one of the next things they say, well, that's just where you live. So that's the price you, or that's the, that's the price you pay for having an ocean view. And uh, so that was, that was a different topic. So they would, I would call the maintenance out and I would say we have probably six pages of a log of different calls to our home of maintenance technicians. I would probably say about six pages of them to come out. And on each note where it says why they were called out, they would type in there, resident wants a mold check, resident wants a mold check. And then you would go down the list and it would say, resident wants a mold check again. Resident wants a mold check again. So they're now getting irritated with me because I had them come out so many times. And I will just paint the picture for you of what it looked like when they would come out because I looked, I looked and appeared probably crazy. So I would say, Hey, my son is exhibiting signs of mold poisoning. We live in a damp area. My carpets are always wet. We have mold growing in our, in our windowsills. Can you check for mold? So he would show up with this moisture meter, which I understand is necessary in some cases. It has the two prongs that would detect any kind of moisture within the drywall. So very condescendingly, these maintenance guys would come out and no kid just just randomly find a spot on the wall and jam this moisture meter and go, it's dry. And I'm like, well, then maybe then maybe the mold's not right there at that spot, or maybe there's no leak because the the wall that we shared with our neighbor, they had a roof leak. And when it rained, their living room would have water in it. And it would be coming behind the paint down into the baseboards and it would fill up their living room with water. And they said that once it dried out, there's no way that there's mold there. And which is just so insanely false. It's not even, it's not even funny. So we would initially call maintenance easily a dozen or two dozen times to come and check for mold. It wasn't until much later. And unfortunately, probably mm, five years, I four years, maybe we lived. No, that's not right. Probably three full years. We lived in that house with mold, but couldn't prove it. So we weren't allowed to move out of the house. We had to stay in that house because I couldn't prove it because they had just come out and said, well, the drywall is dry. There's no mold. And then how did you find it eventually? Well, it wasn't until, it wasn't until many years later that we had found ourselves in the office. And I want to go ahead and touch on the fact that to anybody watching this, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't a linear experience. It wasn't like, oh, I think there's mold. 
I found this doctor. Here's our diagnosis. Everything's great. No, it was more like this, right? So we initially, from that time that I had contacted to have maintenance come out, we had sought, and I will note, I believe that all of these modalities and doctors and natural doctors and all of the things that I'm about to say, I feel are very helpful. I don't want to say these things that they're not, they weren't helpful. And I think each single part of them are a part of our story and just one little piece to our puzzle that kind of got us one step closer, right? So I don't want to dismiss any of these different professionals, especially in healthcare, because I, I do believe they're all very viable pieces. So we saw a natural path where we ended up doing homeopathy treatments, food sensitivity, and natural treatments. We landed in the office of a very famous pediatrician in LA uh, who has an organization, uh, Dads Against. Uh, he Anyway, I don't want to get too far into it. And his wife run a practice in LA. They were able to help us kind of peel back just a little bit more. But again, they missed the mark. They did testing, but not enough. So they did help us kind of discover some things. So we were able to kind of chip away a little bit at that. We had saw many different doctors. Oh my gosh, I wish I had the list in front of me. Of course, I don't have it. But we had saw so many different doctors. He did, he was on like 21 supplements at one point. We had eliminated every single thing out of his diet. He was down to just about nothing, about five foods is all he was able, able to eat. He wasn't doing gluten, dairy, soy. He wasn't having any artificial dyes or colorings or flavorings, just, I mean, drastic, extreme lifestyle changes, right? We were doing all of the things and getting nowhere, completely spinning our wheels, completely like on a treadmill and he's just not getting better and things are getting worse. His nosebleeds are getting more frequent. The eczema in the crooks of his arms were so severe that they were infected and, and would have to have cream on them. And he would have, we would have to cut the feet off of socks and, and leave them on his arms all night so that he wouldn't scratch. He was jumping into hyperbaric chamber treatments. He was weekly, bi-weekly, IV ozone treatments, allergy treatments, NAET. We were doing all the things and it took many years. And now that I'm trying to recall, I don't remember how we actually found this physician. It might've been in a group. Now that I'm recalling my memory, I'm pretty sure it was in a mom group that I, somebody had recommended a doctor who was a functional medicine doctor, an MD who left conventional medicine to do holistic medicine, but she still had that MD certifying degree. And so I felt that she carried a lot of validity because the MD at the end of her name, right? It's almost like, a, oh, okay, well, this is going to be the answer. And we, and we made an appointment. And that the other thing too, about this, anybody watching it's it's extremely, it, it will create a hemorrhage in your financial situation. And it, and it, you'll find yourself for me personally, throwing 
our savings account and our money and all of these different treatments trying to find an answer. And it didn't matter. It money at that time, <laughs> in hindsight, looking back, I of course would have done things differently, a little bit more responsibly. But at the time, my my vision was set on on getting to the bottom of this. And so I will say to anyone watching, it's extremely expensive. And it does come with repercussions of being the one to completely drain your fi- your family's savings to to find treatment. When I say that, because this doctor was $500 an hour. So if you did a 90-minute appointment, it was in the upwards of over $800, bless you. And uh, we had found ourselves in this office. I had a broken wrist and I just was sitting there with Jacob and she's doing all the things, checking all. At this point, I was able to <clears throat> provide her everything that we had been doing. So I already had said, well, this is all of the things that we've already done. And so that was helpful. And I, I remember that day very vividly. And she gets up to leave the room and she turns to us and she says, are you living in mold? <laughs> I just went, what? You're the first medical professional to say that word to me. And, and, and I didn't say it first, right? Because I got shot down every single appointment before that with every other person going, that's not really, that's pretty controversial. They haven't really proven that yet. So for her to bring it up, I went, I remember I looked at her and I said, I think we are, but I can't find any mold. (laughs) And she was like, one second fill out this paper. And she literally handed me a printed out paper of gosh, 36, 48 different symptoms or complaints. She said, could you check uh, next to each one of these that you, that Jacob is, is experiencing? I checked every box. Like he checked every single box on that list. I don't think there was one unchecked thing. And she hands it to me and she goes, I'm going to test him for mold. I think you guys are dealing with mold illness. And I just was, and Jacob and I looked at each other and we were like, okay. She comes back. She says, this is what you do. We did a mycotoxin screen with mold screening through Great Plains Labs. She sent us home to do that. We sent it in and we had our results in, oh my gosh, 10 days. Jacob also did at this point, he had probably given blood probably half a dozen times at this point, checking for different various things. And so we got his labs back and his mold was off the charts. Literally, there was only a point on the chart that it would go so far and his had exceeded that. At that point, we had discovered Jacob had three different types of mold in his body. And one of them, Forgive me if I don't have the correct pronunciation. I don't know if it's stachybotrys or stachybotrys. Black mold, right? Let's just call it what it is, black mold. And then penicillium and and, and then aspergillus. So I just want to note and, and go back to the very beginning of our conversation, that initial upper respiratory infection that Jacob's pediatrician thought he had we later found out was actually aspergillosis. So he actually had a fungal infection at that time. And that was the beginning of our mold illness. So he had aspergillosis, 
from the aspergillus mold that was growing within our home. And it prompted us, we had contacted the maintenance and I said, it's right here. You can't dispute a medical test that my child has mold in his body. How are you saying that there is no mold here? And I, I looked, or I, I called many steps ahead of the maintenance and I said, we need a, uh, a home inspection in this house. We need a, an air quality sample test. And they said, we absolutely do not do that. And something to the effect, if you want this, then everybody has to get an air quality test. And I said, fine, we'll do it ourselves. We had contacted a certified home inspector in Southern California that came recommended. He came to our home within a few days. He did a very thorough home inspection. I think he was there for 90 minutes, almost two hours, taking samples, air quality samples, all of this stuff. And we got our results. And the highest mold that we had was aspergillus and penicillium. And so how do you dispute the mold coming back in a, in a home air quality test with the mold that was found in my child's body? And you're going to say there's no connection. And the military home housing had actually said it must just be a coincidence. So we had had maintenance come out many, many times. And I can't really experience, I can't explain what had happened that next. I am a person of faith and, and we, we take our faith very seriously. So I do, I do believe when you, when you live a Christian lifestyle, the Lord can speak to you in a way that he can kind of guide you along, not audibly. It's not like I had a voice in my head telling me what to do, but I had this unexplainable feeling to go check Jacob's bathroom. When I had checked Jacob's bathroom, I'm standing in there and I'm just feeling crazy. I'm like, there's, I can't see anything. And I just let my eyes wander and I'm like, okay, well, there's water rings on the ceiling. And then my eyes kind of get drawn down to the floor. And when I did that, I had noticed that the baseboard was pulling away from the drywall. And I called maintenance. They're so annoyed with me at this point, but I don't care. I'm holding a newborn at this point. And I said, I think that's the mold. And he says to me, and I almost want to quote this, but legally I want to be careful. He said something to the effect of, and now mind you, this man is standing in my shower, like talking to me while I'm standing in the bathroom. And he says, look, lady, lady. I'm not about to put a bunch of holes in this house because you think there's something going on. And I was like, great. Thank you for your time. And I, he left and I went back in that bathroom and I handed off my newborn and I went down on my hands and knees and I, and I pulled with my fingertips at this baseboard, which don't do by the way, (laughs) I want to just preface. If you suspect there is water damage, do not pull it away with your hand. This is not advice that I give to anybody, but it, I, I did it because I needed to see it. So I'm pulling this baseboard out and it's black. The stud is black. The, the joist, the contain, the, the whatever terminology, black 
inside the drywall black, the baseboard black. And I'm like, that's mold. That's mold. I kid you not. I called the maintenance back and he came back and he said to me, well, obviously when your son showers, he's getting too much water outside of the tub. So obviously that's going to happen. And I went, did you just blame my child for this? So I got back down there and I pulled this whole strip of drywall all the way up the wall and it's just black mold. He goes to his truck, he gets a bottle of of bleach and goes to town. While we're standing there with Jacob, with my baby, my daughter, not not calling Jacob my baby, my newborn, and sprays bleach like a mad person all over this mold just sprays it into the air. And I couldn't believe what was happening in front of me that I didn't even stop him because I, 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 I was in shock. I didn't understand what was happening. It was so dismissive. And he goes, well, obviously, of course this is happening. It's just spraying mold all over the place. We got really sick after that. Jacob's nosebleed was so severe after that. He ended up actually in the hospital. I couldn't stop the nosebleed at home. Normally we can stop them. I have pictures of, of our son sitting on the floor on a towel over a trash can because he had, excuse if anybody is, is sensitive to this topic, he had blood coming out of his nose and his mouth at the same time. And to prevent it going into his stomach, he had to lean over and just into this trash can, just kind of let, you know, cause we couldn't get the nosebleeds to stop while I'm on the phone with the hospital. And she says, bring him in right now. And it wasn't until after that, that I think the, the look at my husband's face was a mixture of like equal part. Oh my gosh she was right to, oh my gosh, there is mold. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? It was like equal parts panic, relief, validation all at once. It was a very, very bumpy ride. And my husband was the one that started looking under sinks and doing all the things going, okay, well, there must be more here. We had, we had leaks in our kitchen sink that were sitting on the, the baseboards underneath the sink and the maintenance would come in and spray it and paint it. Uh, and, the, and the water had leaked behind the dishwasher. So now there's mold growing behind the dishwasher. There's mold under the kitchen sink. There's mold in the guest bathroom. And it's just everywhere at this point. And we're living in this house. And uh, maintenance would come in and pull my dishwasher out and sprayed all this bleach under there. And it was just a real, it was just, it was embarrassing really. And I honestly, I, I want to say that I don't, I don't, I want to say that they were just blindly and naively doing their job and didn't want to go against what their superiors were telling them to do. I guess they did were genuinely. Did you have any instances where you were afraid to speak up because of your husband's position? Did you have that One- same pressure applied to you? Because what I hear you saying is, well, they were kind of just doing their job. It's almost like you're trying to justify. I get that you don't want to just come right out and say there are some bad people who allow this and they're perpetrating this, but it, it seems like there are some bad people who are keeping their mouth shut and they're they're really allowing families to be exposed to this. And it's there's levels of this. And I know I know you had a similar experience where there was almost like you're you're kind of coerced into not talking too much. Can you share a bit about that? Absolutely. We were told, well, we'll go ahead and get your husband's command. 
involved in this. So when I had initially started, uh, I would say kicking up the dust a little bit in our local neighborhood pages. So our specific, each, each neighborhood had their own Facebook group just for community, right? Yard sales and support and things like that. I, I really started posting in there. And I, I will say that Military Housing, this company, had employees join these groups to kind of read on the inside uh, a mole, if you will. And so there would be there would be talk of a backlash. And so as a military spouse, it, it 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 is communicated to you without words. You don't walk, you don't rock the boat. You kind of don't make your husband's job harder than it needs to be. Do not get your husband's command breathing down their neck because when there is issues at home, it affects them at their job. And that's not military only. Are you kidding me? That's that's not specific to, to just us. I believe that's any profession. When your personal life and things are going on at home, it really can affect how they do their job. I will say the jobs that <clears throat> our military do, they need to have their head there, right? They need to be in a good headspace. So we are, for lack of a better word, we're conditioned to to not make to not to not do that. Don't make it harder for them. So if there were issues at home, you didn't run to the command because it would make a lot of paperwork. It would make things harder for your husband at their job and it would become a headache. And that's just how it was. I hate to say something so cliched, but that's just how it was. You just didn't do that. So we were made to kind of just deal with it, right? It was almost like a just take care of it, just deal with it. And it doesn't need to be a big dramatic thing. Well, at this point, a lot of people started kind of speaking up and going, something's not right here. So we had got a call from my husband's command and they said they were doing inspections at the house because now the command is like, Hey, I think we need to intervene here. What is going on with our families? Because my husband's command was nothing but supportive the whole through and through they would, my husband's higher ranking in his command would contact and say, Hey, is there anything we can do? Do you guys, can we help you? Can, because if you, it's almost inferior to have the military housing employees come and you, it's just you. When there's a presence of a higher ranking commanding officer or somebody within the, the command that is there, the military housing's tone changes a little bit. They're a little bit more accommodating. And so it wasn't, I, I, I want to say it wasn't my husband's command that wasn't supportive, but it was almost a threat as if it was like, well, we'll just get your husband's command involved. And that's, that's a threat. And it's intended to intimidate military spouses because once you hear that your husband's command is going to be involved, it's going to get messy and it makes you feel like it's your fault. And so you don't say anything for a very long time. So military, so now commands are calling their, their guys and going, Hey, can we do a walkthrough? Do you guys need anything? And, and, and so it was that point that they did become involved and these commands were going through their, their service members, 
houses and checking them out and going, let me see what's going on. What are our military families living in? Because at that point in that area, we could not afford to live out in town. It was just not an option. It was just not an option. And military housing knows that because there is a certain allotment for, for families to be able to pay rent out in town. And where my husband's rank was at in the military, it was just not an option. <clears throat> so military housing was our only option. Uh, but they are they do use that as leverage and as a threat to to involve the command. But at that point, we happily involved the command. And it was then that we were offered another home on the base in a different neighborhood. And so we were offered a new home because we found the mold and we were out within 30 days. And when we had very, very, I will say without saying who, but we had the vice president of the company walking around this new military house, new, new to us. And we walked in. And we are walking around the house and I looked at her and I said, did you guys not walk through here before we got here? And she says, no, why? And I said, the drywall is wet from this window over here in the living room. So it had rained the night before and the drywall is damp and the paint that they just painted over was like coming away and dripping because there was, this was the, this, this house was the solution. This is the home they were offering us as a, so sorry for your trouble. Here's this house. And it had water in the drywall from the windowsill. The the window was literally leaking. And I was like, I'm embarrassed for you guys right now. This looks so bad. And I said, we're going to pass. We're going to pass. We, uh, we went one level up to a government contractor in within the military and he sought to it. He expedited our paperwork through the company that we needed to get a moving truck, a moving crew. And we were out of our old house within 30 days. We took the first rental that we could find that was way out of our budget. At that point, whatever we just knew, we needed to get out of that house. And we were in a, a rental outside of the base well over our budget within 30 days of finding the mold. Hello, everyone. Alicia here. One of the most common questions I receive from our audience members is this. Who can I trust to perform a thorough mold inspection of my home? The mold guy performs mold inspections specifically for individuals who require a much higher standard of care owing to your complex health concerns like SIRS, Lyme, CFS, autoimmune issues, and more. Their testing and inspection process supersedes all current industry standards on purpose, making them thought leaders and disruptors in an industry unwilling to change old and outdated paradigms. Book your complimentary phone consult here at themoldguyinc.com slash connect. That's themoldguyinc.com slash C-O-N-N-E-C-T. After leaving, did you notice changes in everyone's health symptoms? Uh, yes, actually we did. So my daughter at that time, very little, she had a very severe eczema on her little, her little baby feet and her little skin within being out of that house within two weeks, it was completely gone. Not 
faded or a little bit, it was gone. And her little feet were so raw with no explanation. She caught on the tops of her feet and her legs. She looked like she had a sunburn all the time. It was just very raw, just painful eczema. It was gone completely. Our son's eczema in his arms cleared up. The rashes went away. My husband, uh, we put our own health problems on the back burner because we just were focusing on the kids, but he would have this skin uh, condition. I don't know if he wants me sharing all this, but he was, it was, it really affected his quality of life. And he had been to the doctor so many times going, there's something wrong with my skin. And the doctor would say, well, you need to take your watch off. It's from your watch. Here's a steroid cream. It's from your watch. He's, I wear my watch on this hand. Like, why, what are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. And we started a new supplement regimen and we got out of that house and all of his skin issues resolved. I mean, he would have dried blood all over his hands and his, it just had this crazy skin irritation that would bleed and crack and all this stuff. Just things slowly improved. Uh, The nosebleeds slowed down significantly. He was having them so frequent that he would have them very, very seldomly or not at all. Uh, And there were many other things that resolved all of a sudden, every single time our son showered, he was no longer covered in like hives all over his body. When we were in that first initial house, I'm not kidding. When I, when I, when I say I tried everything, I removed laundry soap. I removed fragrant kid soap, body washes, nothing that could be an irritant. My son at that point was basically showering with just water at that point because they said it was everything was contaminating it. But every time he showered, mold was in the air from the baseboards and he would come out and be covered in hives all over his body. And all of a sudden that just stopped. But we didn't change our soap. We didn't change anything. He just stopped showering in a steam room full of mold. So we, I would say, yes. A lot of issues resolved. I will note here now that after having the initial treatment, our son is in a, a in a brain center right now that helps him recover neurologically. Uh, and the way it was explained to me is that Jacob was dealing with a condition called post-infectious encephalitis. What does that mean? Just post-illness brain swelling. And his brain was swollen for so long because when you're exposed to mold at these big box stores or flat roof buildings or water damaged buildings, you can go outside, get some fresh air and, and the damage, the effects are not going to be lifelong, right? You can, you can recover from those short exposures, but we were living in this for years and I knew it, but I couldn't prove it. And I, I do know that it's easy to say, well, why didn't you just move out? And I did touch on that a little bit. It's, it's not that easy to just move a family of four from one house to another on the salary that is provided at that time. It just wasn't. In, it just So he dealt with brain swelling for a very long time. And the initial treating doctor was very honest with us and said, I, I do not feel it this time considering the extent of Jacob's inflammation in his brain, I do not believe at this time he will make a hundred percent recovery. 
I do feel at this time that Jacob will have some lasting effects for the rest of his life because at the time that his brain was swelling was such a critical developmental age. And now it has led to an, a hemisphere imbalance in his brain. And so now he is at a center that he goes to three times a week to do these treatments and these different exercises in order to rebalance his brain. And so we have a long road and I'm not going to stop. It's just, I'm not going to stop. I will have to be stopped, but I will not stop fighting for this to, to get him to a place where his quality of life will be the best that it can. As if he never went through any of this. He's in high school now, and he has been dealing with mold toxicity poisoning for eight years, coming up on eight years. Valerie, what what advice would you give to either yourself eight years ago or another family who is where you were eight years ago? If you could, if you could say, "This is what I wish I knew then that I didn't know." this is a step that I would have taken, or this is something I would have done. And I I don't mean to ask this question of, oh, all these regrets of what you didn't do. I'm just saying, based on what you've learned now, how would you advise someone to do things different than you may have had information to do at that time? No, that's that's a really good question. I also think that as morbid as this sounds, and I, and I hope nobody misconstrues what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. I don't think I would change anything. I think that we needed to go as as awful as that sounds because nobody genuinely wants their child to suffer. That's a given. But I don't know if I could change anything because it wouldn't have been what it is today. And I don't know if we would have landed where we landed and, and at the time that we needed to be there. I have reconciled well on my end with that neurologist. If I have followed up with him and, and this is, this is part of what you had, I had, this is part of my answer to your question, <laughs> but I had emailed this doctor and I had let him know that I had forgiven him for dismissing me years ago. And I had forgiven him for treating me as if I was crazy because it because what I would change is, I don't know. I mean, the politically correct answer is to say to, to, I wish I had a doctor sooner, or I wish I had found that one doctor sooner, but it was all part of our story. It was all part of our journey because after we had saw that initial neurologist, I myself had ended up in the office of a psychologist because I thought I was crazy. And within five minutes of meeting with a psychologist, I was prescribed an antipsychotic medication. So I had also thought I was crazy. And the only advice I would give is just don't stop because I did get to points where I quit. I didn't quit permanently. Obviously, I'm still here. We're still fighting. It's been eight years. I can't believe I'm saying that eight years. The litigation is going on its second year, but things are looking up there for that. It's going really well. I mean, that's just so cliche. Just don't give up. Just, just, you're not crazy. Mold can do some pretty gnarly stuff. 
and it messes with your emotions, mold, messes up your endocrine system. So now your hormones are off. It can cause depression. It can cause anxiety. It can cause a long list of neurological issues. So just don't give up. And I, and I don't know, I don't know what I would say to myself eight years ago, but I do know that version of myself eight years ago was very broken and very discouraged while I was like, had this brave face of, oh, I'm just going to keep on going. I was terrified and I was, I didn't have a lot of hope actually at all. I was very discouraged and hopeless. And I, I don't know what I would say to myself or some, to somebody that's in the beginning, early stages of this, but just you have an instinct in you. You have a brain that thinks for yourself. And if something doesn't feel right, there's a good chance it's not. So just don't stop and just keep looking for answers. And just if you hit a closed door, there's so many other doors to open. If that wasn't the answer, if that wasn't the doctor, if that wasn't the treatment, there's more. I promise you. Just when I would get to the point of feeling like, okay, we've tried everything, we would find something else to try. And each little bit would get better and better. So, I mean, I thought about this question for a little bit while I was laying in bed because I knew you were going to ask it. And it was the only question that I didn't have an answer for, but just keep fighting and don't stop. Does any little tiny part of you wish you would have just went off on that neurologist? Like (laughs) (laughs) something? (laughs) Like that mama bear comes out and you're just like, what did you say about my cup? I I mean, he accused you of child abuse and you're like, oh, la-di-da. I love everyone. I know. Jesus, take the wheel, mama. I I know. You're like very forgiving for people who really like almost murdered your family. I know. And I, I don't mean to say, I know, like I, I agree with you. I just meant that I, it, I had my moments, uh, whether I was able to keep my composure or not, I had my moments for sure. And, and when I say that I followed up with that, that neurologist last year, last year or 2020, I think I, when I sent the email and uh, I just had let him know, I, I told him, I said, I forgive you. And I think that uh, next time when you have a mom sitting across from you in desperation, trying to figure out why her child is no longer her child and something is very, very wrong. Could you stop for a second and listen to her? Just listen because you're a human being. I don't care where you went to medical school. You're a human and you make mistakes and now you can learn from this. And I think I said the words, you were wrong. Doctor. Oh, wow. You really don't have it there, huh? I did. No, I did. I said, you were wrong. You were very wrong. And it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to make mistakes, but you need to know that it's okay to do that. And you, and you were wrong. He actually has. And I said, I said, he actually has pediatric acute onset neuropsychiatric syndrome from mold toxicity poisoning. And you were wrong and it's okay. And I forgive you. And I ended the email and he write, he wrote back within an hour. He wrote back. And he just said, Mrs. Clover, I want to thank you for following up with me and giving me that update on Jacob. I don't want to say he apologized. I don't think he said I apologize. I think he said, thank you for your email. And I will, of course, now I don't want to misquote him because I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but 
Valerie, I'm going to cut you off and I'm going to say, and I know you want to be careful because you are in litigation, but <laughs> that pediatric neurologist, we're not afraid to tell people off or tell doctors how badly they're behaving because they're affecting people's lives. And I'm so tired of hearing this time and time again of children being permanently injured because mm-hmm. of the malfeasance of doctors. Doctors do understand this, especially military doctors. They are trained. They are given propaganda. They understand mold. But they don't want to, again, they want to avert liability, right? So they want to pretend like it doesn't exist. And the other part of that too is just, I wish people would just like, just because you haven't heard of it or you don't have training in it, or it wasn't in, in, in your middle, in your medical literature, why are you so close-minded to learning about something that could potentially save and help hundreds or thousands of people that you're going to come across? you may never in your career, but why are these doctors so like they hear mold and they go, they just instantly are like, they change the subject and they're like, that's not real. That doesn't really affect you. That's not a big deal. So I just, I just wish these doctors would just check their pride. Right. And almost just kind of like, why do you have to make the parent feel as if they're the crazy ones for insinuating that they don't, and then, and I think the doctors get a little bit, their ego is a little bruised when I, when I say the things that yeah, I just don't agree with them. Like a doc saying that to a doctor, they're like, oh God, well, how can you not agree with me? I'm a doctor. It's well, you're all human being. And I think you're wrong. And there might be another reason why this is going on. So I wish doctors would just quit dismissing parents so quickly and throwing them on half a dozen pharmaceutical medications to cover up the symptoms that they're experiencing. And that's what we had tried. We had tried pharmaceutical medications because I I couldn't watch my child suffer. The OCD was the Tourette's. I mean, that was a nightmare. I mean, we would be walking into the grocery store and... I would look back and my, my child is nowhere to be found because he's 30 feet behind me because his left foot passed by the red car, not his, his right foot or left foot. He had to go back and count. He needed to know how many steps it took to get from the car to the front door of the grocery store. He needed to know how many steps it took from the bottom of our stairs to the top of our stairs. And then he needed to know how many steps it took from the top of the stairs to his bathroom. He needed to know how many steps it took. He needed to know how many this. He 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 thought my his dad was going to die in a in a fiery car crash on the way home from work every day. Like he was being treated psychologically with pharmaceutical medications to cover up and stop these OCD behaviors when let's stop for a second and go why? Why is he having this? And let's not forget He wasn't dealing with this two weeks ago. This isn't something we've been dealing with birth. And all of a sudden I decided to just now open up a whole can of worms and and divulge into this. I had a neurotypical child two weeks ago who is now unable to function, not able to walk, not able to think he's, he's confused. He, his thoughts are rapid fire. And we would put him on these medications that were listed for intrusive thoughts, because the, the, the thought behind that was that the, if the intrusive thought stopped, the OCD would stop. And I would look back into the, in the backseat of my car at a red light and my child would just be like, like out cold drooling on himself because this medication caused him to be so groggy and tired. And I'm like, that's the answer medicate them until they're a drooling vegetable in the backseat where my vibrant 
left-handed all-star pitcher was sitting back there talking 5,000 words a minute nonstop with full of life and, and zest and all of this stuff in life is now crippled with fear, anxiety, OCD, Tourette, and is now drooling on himself in the back seat because a medication is going to cover up what is really going on. And so I need these doctors to just quit dismissing these parents and, and listen and be open-minded to maybe there's something that you haven't spent months on in, in your, in your, in your medical school, literature, medical books. So that's my rant. No, I appreciate that. And that's, (laughs) I think that's the passion and that's the, the anger is really going to get you somewhere because Eric's been doing this for 35 years and, and playing nice don't get you anywhere. And these doctors will continue doing the same thing to someone else. At the end of the day, every mold patient that we talk to, me as a mold patient, with the exception of Keely, because she's extremely smart, we've gone from doctor to doctor. How much, like you said, you were hemorrhaging money. I was hemorrhaging money. Every mold patient trying to figure out what's wrong with them, what's wrong with their children, what's wrong with their pets. We throw so much money at this and it makes them big money. So if it's making them big money, then why do they want to find a a cause, a cure? Why do they want to get on board with that? At the end of the day, how many chronically ill patients are sick because of mold? Probably so many, and they don't even have mold in their purview, right? And thankfully, you were were able to understand and find that out for you, that mold was the problem because some people live and die in in their mold-infested homes and they never know, and or they don't want to attribute it to the mold factor. So I'd love to just, I'd love to turn over the wheel to Eric because he has, I mean, he's been in this game for 35 years. So if there's anyone that can give advice, this man, (laughs) he's the one you want to look to. And he's also a veteran, a U.S. Army veteran too. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. I'm just amazed at how prescient and ahead of his time my commanding officer was because back in 1976, when my unit got hit with toxic mold, he was going to evacuate the entire garrison. He didn't care what anybody said. He called the Division of Biological Warfare Investigation to come check it out. So my entire unit was so sick that we were taken off active, the active duty roster, which for a nuclear missile unit was the first time that a unit that's called upon to be ready at all times actually was able, unable to perform its function. And it's fascinating that the initial research into chronic trichothecine exposure was funded by the U.S. Army back in 1986. So for the entire military to be unaware of it at this late date is really astonishing to me. That's a really good point. I will add, and I I don't want to cut you off, I will say there was a time when you would walk into the military housing offices for families that there were service members there in uniform. It was their actual assignment. And they were the military in charge of looking out for their fellow military. And the biggest mistake that the DOD made, in my opinion, and a lot of other opinions, was passing over that torch from the military taking care of military, right? Because the military has each other's back. And so I'm very encouraged to hear your experience with your command that took this seriously. And there's something about that that brotherhood and that morale where they look out for each other because the military housing for families at one point was in charge by the military service members themselves. 
And so they didn't, they took things seriously. And I, and I don't know the year, but the DOD had contracted with outside third party companies to manage the military housing. And it was then that things really went downhill because the military service members were taken out of the housing offices and put in different assignments. And it was handed over to civilians. And at the time it was handed over to civilians is I think when the care went really downhill. I'm also surprised that other veterans don't react to this the way I did because I had biological worker training. And even though I didn't know the agents involved, I knew that something was a threat and my training was to avoid it. Mm-hmm. So I started conducting a strategy of avoidance immediately. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand the reason for a delay for anybody who had military training. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, don't have an answer for that, but I, I just know that the things that people were complaining about or the, the issues that they were having. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. I just, I agree with you though. <laughs> well, the toxic mold that you cite, Stachybotrys charterum, that is absolutely classic for causing nosebleeds, immune suppression, rashes all the things you describe. Mm-hmm. And when uh, a doctor tries to dumb it down and put it into the category of it's all mold in general, they're depriving people of vital information that this one particular mold is so deadly that it is a biological warfare agent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it, you're constantly faced and met with, oh, well, it's just household mold or every house has mold or it's just a little bit of mold. You just need to go outside and get fresh air. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely an uphill battle trying to, it's very exhausting. Sometimes you want to shake people and go, wake up, what are you doing? <laughs> and you don't, you, you think about it in your head and then you compose yourself and you say something else. But I, I do wish that more people just took it seriously. I think a lot of lives could, could drastically improve and not have to go through so much hell. Well, I, I think back to when I was going to doctors and uh, explaining this to them, and a doctor tried to tell me it was all in my head, and I just told him, stop right there. The next doctor who lays that on me is going to get punched in the nose. Mm-hmm. And he, he jumped up and ran from the room. Mm-hmm. And that's, wow, I, I can see the people in the future who are dealing with this problem, they're going to have one hell of a fight on their hand. And if they don't stand up for themselves on this kind of level, doctors are just going to roll right on over them. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. They are literally manipulated and, and it's, it's pretty narcissistic, to be honest, to convince the, the person that is going through it that it's their fault and that they are the issue. And they are to blame. And that's that's a tough one to get over because it can really affect how you approach things in other with other instances. You're very you're gonna hesitate, right? You're gonna be like, ooh, I don't really want to go through being <laughs> treated like that again. Maybe I won't say anything. So well, I think since we can't change the behavior of doctors, we're really going to have to educate the patient population that when they encounter this situation, they have to be extremely firm with their doctors. Yeah. Don't expect them to help and don't think that asking nicely is going to result in anything. It never has. Yeah. And like you said, if, if, if that doctor is, is so completely just not even hearing it, tuning you out next, there's other doctors, right? This is not the be all and end all. If that doctor isn't having it and is, and is shutting you down, 
next, moving on, and just don't stop. Just it just just keep going. If there's there's gonna be other doctors out there. And we went through a dozen, half a dozen. So just we finally, you know what I mean? And we had to go through, unfortunately, a very long process. But eventually, if you don't give up, I do I do believe that you will find somebody that will at least listen and at least entertain what you have to say. And, 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 and don't leave politely. Make a statement on your way out the door. Leave a message for them. Leave a message. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what all I would change, but I, I agree. I, there are times where I wish I were more assertive, but I, I deal very much so feeling inferior or feeling that I'm, I'm the crazy one. So I never really authoritatively kind of, I wasn't very assertive in, in early on. <laughs> I actually, I actually monitored doctors because I wanted to know what is it going to take to change their minds? What's going to finally turn them around and asking politely never, never resulted in, in anything, but in areas where people were extremely assertive and fought with their doctors and insulted them and scorned them. Over time, this added up. And eventually, these doctors became so fearful of being treated like garbage when they would dismiss mold that they finally backed off and they were not, not so bad. And these were among the first doctors who finally said, yeah, I, I think there's something to this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. You'll eventually get to somebody that listens or somebody that knows somebody that went through it, or it's always, oh, I, I, I knew somebody that went through that. Or, and, I, and I think we ended up in the doctor's office off of a referral. I think, I, I think it was in a Facebook group, but it is just kind of word of mouth and it travels fast. So as long as they don't give up. Absolutely. And just on the record, we don't condone hitting your doctor. <laughs> <laughs> You don't condone physical violence. Verbal, go for it. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't need other legal issues on our no. hands. I've got enough. I've got enough lawyers right now to deal with that. I don't need to add in any assault charges. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's funny when I, I uh, when got. I did that. It was a, in the form of an experiment. Sure, because I had seen how aggressive doctors were in applying a psychological psychosomatic illness on people. And I wondered, what would it take to stop them? How far would I have to go? So as I encountered various doctors, I would increase my resistance a little bit more. And finally, that's the point it came to. So if you attempt to tell me that, you're going to get punched in the nose. And that is what it took to stop them. Yeah, people need to know that you're serious. And people think that they can just be easily dismissed and they're going to get a a passive answer to kind of shut them up and get them out of their office, really, to be honest, because they don't have an answer. And I, and I also want to believe too, a doctor really struggles with saying, Hey, I don't have an answer. I am not trained in this area at all, but let's see if we can figure this out. I need doctors to to own up and check their pride and just be like, this might be new to me, but let's look into it because maybe we'll both learn something, right? But that's in a perfect world. I'm very optimistic. If you haven't gathered enough, by now, <laughs> it's not that difficult to get on the computer, look up chronic fatigue syndrome, mold, and find out that this has been known for 35 years. Yep. Yep. A simple well, computer search will do it. Not that tough. 
would be awesome <laughs> if patients got so pissed that we all band together and, and brought up some sort of bill or law that says, if you don't complete a service for your patient, you don't get paid or you refund your patient. I mean, like you said, how many times have you been from doctor to doctor and they literally can't help you? What other service do you go to for, you go get your car fixed. If they don't fix your car, you don't pay them. Right. You move on to the next person who can actually help you. What if we did some financial incentive of that sort? I mean, then these people would really get their shit together and be like, oh, well, I'm having a refund and I'm not getting paid here because I'm not really helping anyone. <laughs> right. <And that's laughs> it's a- time to get on board with actually helping people. That's a really good point. And I will add to that. One of the best pieces of advice that I ever got from somebody that was also in this lifestyle is when you're sitting in front of your doctor and you look at them and you say, I would really like to be checked for X, Y, Z. I would, I would, I'm asking to be tested for X, Y, Z. Fill in the blank, whatever that is. I would like to have labs done that will show my levels of whatever. If they ref- if they say that's not necessary, I'm not going to do that today. You don't need that. That's a waste of time. The one thing that you do in that moment is you look at them and you say, please note that in my file. Today on October 5th, please note that I asked for a panel to check my levels of whatever, please note in my file that I asked you for that. And underneath that, please note that you said no. I need you to put in my file that I asked for this and you said no. And I need that in my medical file because you're going to be met with, well, why didn't you check this? I did, I asked, and I was told by a doctor. And, and just that simple, just that simple note in your file is very the doctor taking ownership and it can and it can come back to bite them and it will because this doctor is now going to be held accountable well you asked your doctor for this test he said no so that does come back on them when you when this this doctor is confronted you have this patient asking for this why didn't you do that and so when when they can put that in your file that is the that is probably a tool that everybody needs in their mold tool belt is that you have asked the doctor and they put in your file that they said no. And that is, that is a very critical part that I want everybody to start doing because the doctor's face will be, they do one of these, they're looking at their clipboard and you're mumbling on about wanting something and they'll look over their clipboard. They're like, you want me to put that in your file that I said, no, they change their tone very, very quickly, (laughs) very quickly. That was my advice 35 years ago. I told the support groups that with the resistance they're going to get from doctors, what they should do is bring a small pocket recording device Mm -hmm. and tell their doctors, due to my memory issues, I need to record every moment of our appointment so that I don't miss a a single word of your precious wisdom. (laughs) Yes. How are they going to dispute a recording of them saying, no, I'm not testing you for this? Now, Are you going to go to your GP and get a mold test? Probably not. But are you going to have it in file that you at least asked about it? Because it wasn't a GP that tested us for mold. It was functional medicine. I will say that for the the sake of helping somebody else that where we ended up finding was an MD that was in functional medicine. 
Yeah, there are other ways to test too. If you don't want to pay $500 to $2,000 an hour, however much these functional doctors are charging people these days, you can order these tests without a doctor, but you would still have a doctor review it and provide notes for you. So we got that information from Kurt, Dr. Kurt Eller. I'm not sure what his name is, but he's with Great Plains and he had provided a resource. We'll put that in our show notes below. I, I think it's... I don't remember. It's like real lab tests now or something like that. Don't quote me, but we'll have that resource under for people because I mean, people are just throwing their money away on, on useless doctors and all. I mean, even a lot of these functional doctors, Mm -hmm. a lot of them are frauds too. Yeah. They'll test you for this. Yeah. They'll give you treatments for that. But are they literally telling you, look, if you have mold, get the hell out. Right. Right. Exactly. Don't take your stuff with you if it's saturated with dacubotrys or whatever. I mean, how many are, are actually telling people that? Yeah. So, that's good. I, yeah. I I didn't know that. I just I just learned that. I didn't realize. I wonder if it's always been that way, where somebody can can get their tests to kind of order themselves. Because and and, and I and I do appreciate you following up that it is important to have somebody read them, right? Because we can read them and be like, uh, I don't I don't know what I'm reading. So I like that there is it's available to people without having to go through uh, thousands and thousands and thousands. I mean thousands of dollars and appointments, if they can take the reins and order that test and test themselves at home with whatever that may look like, and then have the results uh, provided to them. That's amazing. I'm, I'm so grateful that you're going to put that information in here. Somebody might just, I mean, that could change somebody's life. Cause I didn't know you could do when we were doing this. Dang, I might've done that a long time ago. <laughs> Right. You always, when you go through the process, you're always like, man, I wish I knew now what, I wish I could apply what I know now to back then. I wouldn't be in this freaking mess. I know, but you know what? There are something very powerful that comes with the difference between empathy and sympathy. Plenty of people have heard our story and they're like, oh, that's, that's too bad. That's awful. But when you can sit across from somebody and look them in the eyes and they're like, I know what you're going through. I've been through that. And I know how bad it sucks. And I want to tell you, I'm here to tell you it gets better. And there's things you can do. And, and, and my family is so much in a better place now. Yes, there's still very many neurological struggles that we are facing every day, but we have come a long way. And I know there are moms and dads and not moms and dads, just regular people that are starting this journey that are looking at this overwhelming, overwhelmingly daunting thing. And I always use the analogy that trying to get to figure out mold illness is the equivalent of taking one sip of water from a fire hose. It's not going to happen. There's, it's not going to happen. You can't get one sip of water from a fire hose. You're going to drown. Right. And, And so it is that overwhelming feeling. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Valerie, Valerie, for coming on the show today and just sharing your story and just, just being so eloquent and, and, and being so forthright in what you went through. And I'm glad that you, you are on the mend and you figured it out and you are seeking justice. And we really hope that prevails for you. Okay. Valerie, did you want to share your contact information in case there is another military family out there struggling that wants to get in touch with you? We don't have to put that out there, but I just wanted to to kind of offer that up. 
Yeah, I think that when we put the broadcast, if there's any notes, I will definitely be happy to put my email in there as a link of contact. I will say in the beginning, when our when our story aired on national news, the messages were too much. It was taking a sip of water from a fire hose. I couldn't there. I think there are still messages, unfortunately, that are still in there that are unanswered because at the time I I, I wanted the same answers. They, they were asking me questions that I was still asking. And I, I didn't feel of an asset or, and I, I'm not saying I'm an asset. I just meant I didn't feel I was very helpful or valuable to them at that time. And, but now I am a mom and I homeschool full-time and my husband is still active duty, but I will preface by saying that I would love to be able to, to help any way that I can. When we are seeking restitution and justice for our son, Jacob, we have dreams at our heart to, to provide some financial relief to families in that way that we can give back to this community in uh, people that are dealing with mold illness. And we want a portion of those of that financial recovery that we will receive one day. And we have dreams of putting that into some account that is going to be able to provide financial relief for families. So stay tuned for that because that is a big dream of ours and it will happen one day. I know it will. But in the meantime, I'm happy to answer any questions via email, but I would ask very patiently to be (laughs) understanding that I, I don't have as much time as I would like to sit down and dedicate to that, but maybe one day. Yeah, no problem. I know Shelly had started a nonprofit that she later <laughs> provided the reins to someone else or another group of individuals. So we can provide that. I think it's like military housing advocacy. Don't quote me again. Yes. I'm not sure, yep. but I will find it and I will put it in our show notes. I'll also put Valerie's information in our show notes. And we look forward to you guys prevailing and starting your own relief fund or whatever. Just let good. us know. I'm sure exposing mold will be a giant by then. Yes, we will be a few few, uh, million or two people who've been affected by it are all going to be on this train of trying to figure out what to do. And hopefully our information is straightforward enough for them to make the right decisions for them and their health. Thank you so much, my dear, for coming on. You can feel free to sign off or if you want to stay on and we're going to do the closing, we can talk more. We do have uh, another upcoming meeting. So yeah. Okay. Have to be brief. So. Thank you guys so much for your time. I appreciate it. And again, I, I do appreciate the platform that Exposing Mold is giving people. And they are you guys are going to be one of our first organizations that we will donate to in order to keep this going because I do understand that it is a, it's, a, it's a lot. It's a lot to keep this going. And it, it doesn't pay very well, right? It, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't pay the bills. So I appreciate your guys' time. You guys have been great. Thank you so much for allowing me to share this. And I know it definitely will come across the screen of of some mom just starting this or dad or just starting their journey. So I appreciate your guys' time. Keely Severson is passionate and committed to exposing the truth about toxic mold and its effects on the human body. Many mold-injured people are often misdiagnosed with autoimmune conditions, nerve damage, mental illnesses, and other chronic health conditions due to the lack of knowledge about water damage and toxic mold growing in their homes. The crippling effects of toxic mold on the body has destroyed many lives. Been there, done that. When she became a healthcare provider specializing in acupuncture and herbal medicine, it was only then that she truly began to understand the connection between her health and the environment that she was living in. 
Three years after becoming a licensed care provider, she became incredibly ill. She was suffering from kidney failure, reoccurring UTIs, and various negative mental health symptoms. When she learned that her family had been dwelling with mold trapped under her kitchen floor, the relationship between the toxic mold factor and her health finally began to make sense. It became part of her life's mission to help educate society on the extreme effects that mold can have on the body. Her work is vital because there exists a lack of experience and acknowledgement for mainstream medical practitioners and even mold experts. She has firsthand experience dealing with mold exposure and she makes sure to address all the signs and symptoms during every environmental screening that she performs. She's developed a line of organic herbal tinctures and formulas to help most patients reduce symptoms commonly associated with toxic mold exposures. These symptoms vary and can manifest themselves very differently from person to person. Her herbal education and experience has helped her increase awareness and recognize signs in patients that may result from their toxic environments. Keely's dedication to learning and understanding the effects of toxic mold and educating and bringing awareness to her patients and other providers keep her motivated. She knows just how devastating the untreated consequences can be on your health and the health of your families, relationships, and life outcomes. If you or someone you know may be affected by toxic mold exposure, rest assured that you and Keely will work together to find a solution. By working together to treat the symptoms and stay educated on toxic mold exposures, we can reduce the impact of this devastating phenomenon. To consult with Keely, please visit exposingmold.com slash consultations. That's exposingmold.com slash C-O-N S-U-L-T-A-T-I-O-N-S. Book your appointment today. Thank you everyone for joining us today. We had Valerie on. She is currently fighting Lincoln military housing for a mold exposure that has permanently damaged her son. And we really wish her the best. Her story was phenomenal. It was great. Thank you, Keely, for connecting and getting her on board. We're really appreciative. We need more of these stories. We need to hear also people just coming out of the, out of the tunnel of going through mold and getting sick, but also getting well and on a healing journey and healing path. So please go ahead and check out our Patreon page. We have a wonderful, really cool group that we provided that is low cost that you can go ahead and join for about, I think it's 22 bucks a month and feel free to donate, buy me a coffee. We are having that in our show notes below. So if you like what we're doing and want to donate or contribute, please, please do so below to keep this podcast rolling. Thank you again. And we'll see you guys next time.